Welcome back to the Georgia Chamber podcast. This is your host, Kayla Robertson, and today I'm joined by Daniela Perry. Daniela is the vice president of the Georgia Chamber Foundation, and we are going to be talking about all things War for Talent today. Daniela, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Kayla. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was our quarterly updates. Each year, the Georgia Chamber Foundation releases quarterly updates with data on some of the most pressing issues facing our state's business community. Daniela, can you explain the information found in these reports and the benefit they bring to our state's business community? Yeah, absolutely. So this year, we really took a more data-driven approach to delivering insights to our members um, and, of course, the statewide business community. Uh, We released our first economic competitiveness red book, which looks at how Georgia compares to other states. And then our quarterly economic reports um, are also new this year. Uh, They focus on each pillar of the new Georgia strategic plan that we have. And so we've been releasing them all year. You can find them on our website. We focused on infrastructure of the future, economic dynamism, rural prosperity, and then this quarter is War for Talent. I think certainly these give, you know, more data, more information to help business leaders and community leaders as well, really to think through how they can make decisions more strategically to better utilize investments um, and to make sure that we are really being effective in how we're using resources in terms of time and treasure to make a difference um, in communities across the state. So like you just said, in just a few days, we are gearing up to release our Q4 quarterly update that's going to focus on the war for talent. And this war for talent is a global national issue. So what are some of the factors that have contributed to the war for talent that we're experiencing currently? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And it's one that we get a lot. I would say that, you know, we were really seeing this war for talent begin to play out years before the pandemic. We really saw this tightening of who is in the workforce. I would say one big factor that, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, we have seen a decline in our labor force participation rate. And this measures working age Georgians that are actually engaged in the workforce. I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later too and dig in a little deeper, but we have steadily seen this decline. And so we're having fewer people that are actually participating in the workforce. So that's a problem. Of course, COVID was this giant inflection point. Um, We saw so much churn in the workforce. The great resignation was something I think everyone talked a lot about. But we saw a lot of people change priorities in terms of um, how they wanted to spend their time. A lot of people moved jobs. Um, And I would say, too, uh, you know, similarly, we looked at some rankings um, and we digged in a little deeper in our Q2 report on economic dynamism. But nationally, we actually saw the economy become less dynamic. And this also happened in states' economies. Again, this is something that was a consistent trend. But we saw that we had this big decline in dynamism. And so less people were changing jobs, less people were moving. They really were craving that stability. And you need a healthy level of churn to ensure that you're driving innovation, driving opportunity, and it helps workers make sure that they're kind of increasing wages and things. So there's like a steady level of churn that's good. 
COVID was a little higher than that. Um, so that was another trend. And then I would say, too, on the preparedness side, we have seen um, people coming out of high school just don't quite have the skills to be able to go directly into the workforce or move into some of our technical college programs and university programs. And then I think, too, you know, we look to the long-term future. If we've got all these folks that are getting close to retirement age, I would say you could hear here a lot of folks that aren't retiring kind of at the traditional ages anymore. They're going longer. But that is something that we're looking at in a lot of our skilled industries as well, especially skilled trades. You've got folks that are kind of getting close to thinking about retiring. And so when we look at kind of the workforce demands now, we know we've got huge potential exits. And so that's another thing we're thinking about in terms of do we have the workforce we need to meet demand. So what are we hearing from our investors about this issue? And have they mentioned any specific solutions that they're seeking to this problem? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So we partnered with Deloitte this year to do our first ever CEO and Executive Insights Survey. It was something that gave us a lot of really good results. Um, We did it from our membership, but we had participation from small, medium, large-sized businesses all across our statewide membership. Top issue was talent above and beyond. That was their top issue. Um, And interestingly, they said that they're also expecting this to be their top issue for the next five years. So it's not going anywhere. We also asked them, you know, what are y'all doing to to solve this? I think a lot of people have asked, well, businesses need to do X, Y, Z to to make a difference. You know, I think it was over 70, close to 80% of them said they've already increased compensation. I think around 66% said they offered increased flexibility to their employees. They were already engaging in reskilling and upskilling efforts. And so it was one of those things that was huge um, that they've already done so many proactive things to make a difference. um, And they're still seeing kind of these challenges. So we certainly are seeing that we need to make sure that we are offering actionable solutions. I think in that survey too, um, 58% of employers said that they were already experiencing workforce shortages. Mm -hmm. So something that's in super top of mind. And I would say when we look at solutions, you know, we go back to that participation preparedness issue. We've got to make sure we're getting more folks into the workforce. But when we also are looking at, you know, what they see as solutions, creating those workforce development pipelines is huge. That's where they really want to spend a lot of their time. A new one in the last couple of years we've seen is housing. Mm -hmm. This is one that we continue to hear from employers. The lack of housing in their community is impacting their ability to retain and recruit employees. People that were driving an hour because they can't buy a home in their local community are saying that's too far from my child's childcare, that's too far from work, I'm missing soccer games, you know, whatever it, it might be. They're saying that these barriers to home ownership are really kind of creating new strains. And I would say the other one is kind of on that preparedness side, but needing more investments in K-12 education, it's something that... We've continued to hear over the last few years is that we really need to increase our investments in K-12 education. We are hearing from employers consistently that they are trying to get into their local K-12 school systems, elementary, middle, and high school, um, to really kind of dispel some misconceptions about careers. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're fortunate in Georgia to have so many new and emerging and growing industries, whether it's solar, or electric vehicles, but they're all new industries. And so people may not have a good understanding of what employment looks like. And so wanting to make sure that we've got a good understanding from counselors and teachers about what the opportunities really are, especially like, you know, first going into the workforce, but then 
with career growth and advancement over time. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to that housing issue for just a moment. From 2021 to 2022, the number of first-time home buyers declined over eight percentage points. So it went from 34% to 26%. What are some of the factors that have contributed to this issue and what are the solutions to the problem? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And we have looked a lot at this year. We've actually had a housing task force that we've kind of looked at. It's gone really deep into this, but Home ownership is so important for wealth generation, um, obviously a, a critical part of the American dream for so many, and it's become a lot less attainable. I would say, too, when we're looking at the home ownership rate over time, it peaked in 2002 and actually has gone down 7% since then. So we're hovering right around 64.7%, I believe. So, you know, we're seeing less people being able to afford homes in their community, which is obviously important to local communities, building that sense of community, important to their tax base for long-term planning. And I would say some of the big factors that we've seen that have made an impact on this is, you know, first, inventory. You know, the Great Recession was really impacted by the housing industry and the number of building permits that were issued in the last five years of the 1990s was more than the number of building permits issued from 2010 to 2019. Mm. So double the amount of time almost, but much less permits offered. And so you're seeing less development of housing due to the impact of the Great Recession, which we're obviously still kind of reeling with. We're still kind of coming back from that housing challenges. Of course, the last few years, you know, COVID again was a big inflection point. People needed new things out of their homes that they never required before because people were working from home a lot more spending a lot more time in their homes. Um, So there was kind of changes in preferences there from a consumer perspective. And then, of course, we've seen interest rates, you know, continue to increase and inflation continue to play a role. So this has all contributed to really making things more challenging, especially for those first-time home buyers that are trying to get in the market. And we've kind of consistently seen whatever data metrics you're looking at, um, this is really impacting first-time home buyers, which are trying to, again, really think about owning a home as part of their wealth generation strategy. Is this an issue that companies who are considering moving to Georgia are going to look at is the lack of workforce housing and the lack of affordable housing options? So I think it's something that, you know, it's happening nationwide. You know, the fact that housing shortage that's not unique to Georgia. I would say what's unique to Georgia is that we are having incredible economic development, incredible new jobs coming to Georgia at a pace that is much higher than other states. Of course, Georgia was named the number one state in the nation in which to do business for an unprecedented 10th year, which is incredible. Um, And so I would say that's probably the difference. We're looking at solutions, though, you know, to to what we could do. We've had our task force um, that's worked with the Home Builders Association of Georgia, the Georgia Realtors Association, Habitat for Humanity, the um, Association of County Commissioners of Georgia, and the Georgia Municipal Association. We know we're going to need solutions kind of across the board that, you know, fit the differences in local communities. But of course, we're seeing this demand statewide. So we've got to have things that are going to be able to, you know, be done at scale as well. So we're in the process of drafting all those recommendations and we'll be able to share them soon. So stay tuned and we'll share more as we have it. It's no secret to anyone in the business community right now that we are experiencing record-breaking economic development. We're expected to gain over 3 million jobs by 2050, but currently our workforce participation rate is hovering at around 61%, which means that about 3.2 million Georgians who are eligible to work are not participating. 
What are some of the solutions to increasing the workforce participation rate? Yeah, this is a huge one. And I would say, again, we get asked a lot about this, you know, who are these 3.2 million Georgians and where can we find them? And I would say we've seen some research. It's done a little bit of a deeper dive and maybe we can link that too. So folks want to learn a little bit more, but there's kind of two big groups of people. Um, There's those that are not in the workforce and they do not want to be. They're not looking for employment. They're not interested. You know, I would say from that side, it's more generating an interest probably and increasing them to the to the workforce, have, helping them make that move. The other group is one that does want to be involved in the workforce. However, they're experiencing some kind of barriers. So whether we're thinking about transportation being an issue, childcare is a huge one, especially for women in the workforce. We saw a record number of women leave the workforce during the pandemic. We're still kind of seeing that growth come back. I would say we've also seen some interesting stuff too, um, you know, regardless of male or a female, if you were kind of in a caregiving role to maybe your aging parents or two young children, that's something that is really impacting people's ability to fully engage in the workforce. You know, we, that's a, a place where you can, you know, decrease those barriers. Maybe we have on-site childcare at TCSG facilities and you can go do training. I think the apprenticeship program also offers some really good opportunities. It received a lot more funding in the past year and TCSG has been operating that with a number of companies all across the state this year. But when we're thinking about people leaving the workforce to go do some kind of training program, that means if they leave their job that they're no longer earning revenue for their family. So that can be incredibly challenging. However, these apprenticeship programs offer you the opportunity to continue to get paid while you're also continuing to grow your skill set. So it's a, a really good solution too for you to continue to move up in your company that you're at, if you're able to participate in an apprenticeship program, or if you are new to a company and are trying to get into a new industry. I would say, you know, childcare and transportation have consistently been challenges, but this apprenticeship opportunity, I, I think, is really making a difference. And so we've seen a lot of companies take advantage and enjoy it, but I think it's an important opportunity to explore further. Continuing the conversation around the participation rate, we are facing a very significant demographic cliff by 2030, which is not very far away. The majority of baby boomers are going to retire, and millennials and Gen Z will make up most of our state's workforce. What can Georgia companies do to prepare for the upcoming shift in the workforce? Yeah, and I think, you know, it is one of those things that you're going to see people, you know, maybe stay and work a little bit longer. So we're hoping it's not quite the cliff that's projected um, and that we kind of see this slow tapering off. But, you know, I would say we hear too from companies that there's, you know, four or five generations in their workforces right now. And it's creating challenges because you've got different folks, different expectations. And what we've seen is that really communication is key. You know, everyone's going to communicate a bit differently. So maybe your millennials want an email, you know, folks that are in Gen X or baby boomers want a, a, a phone call or an in-person conversation. And, you know, if you're talking to someone from Gen Z, you know, you may as well just send a text or <laughs> WhatsApp or drop a pin or, you know, something like that. We're really seeing that a lot of the fundamentals are staying the same. You know, people still want to be motivated. They want to know that they're making a difference. They want to know how they're valued in the workplace. They want to know that they're, you know, a part of their team. And so it's really kind of refining these communication strategies, refining how you kind of operate in teams, 
but still understanding that people are people. We're going to be motivated by similar things, but it's kind of what people are willing to talk about. I think we heard one example of compensation is important to everybody. (laughs) That's not new, but Gen Z is willing to be a lot more open about it than previous generations were. And so kind of that's where we're seeing these shifts and differences, but everyone still wants to be paid the salary that they feel they should, but it's kind of what folks are willing to, to offer. So I would say really thinking about communication, getting to know your employees, knowing your managers, I think is going to be critical as we continue to see how this all plays out. Finally, I wanted to talk to you about our K through 12 education system. A lot of people in this space are very aware of the fact that our literacy rates fall behind a lot of our competitor states when it comes to third grade literacy. And our state has made significant investments in trying to improve those rates. So tell us a little bit about those investments and what's being done to improve that. Yeah, and I would say if you're not kind of familiar, there's a few different things you look for in the K-12 space, and third grade reading is one of those huge things that, honestly, state and local governments base projections off of um, for things like prison beds, which is crazy. So it's a huge indicator really early in terms of long-term growth projections and how individuals evolve. So it's something we need to be super cognizant of. Georgia does have a lower rate than I think we would like and lower than some of our southern competitors. The Georgia General Assembly made this a big priority last session. There was legislation both in the House and the Senate and signed by Governor Kemp to really look at this issue holistically. The Georgia Literacy Commission has been meeting all this year, really digging deep into what are those actionable solutions, strategies, how can we make a difference? As they've been doing that work, they've also been touching base with us. We've had some conversations about how do we continue to get the business community involved because we know this is something that's going to be huge to really move the needle and thinking about how do you get a community excited about this? Mm -hmm. Because we know so many of these solutions are going to be important. The Literacy Commission is meeting this year, and we're hoping to get some kind of um, insights at the end of the year. And we actually have the Governor's Office of Student Achievement is meeting with some of our top business leaders on talent workforce issues in a couple weeks. And so getting them excited about this issue helping them understand what's to come, and then really thinking about how do we dig in deep for next year to make a difference so that we are helping our early learners. Because again, if we think about preparedness, it starts early. Kids are able to get a good foundation. Then we're going to have them be more successful throughout their academic careers in K-12, which translates then to more success at technical colleges, universities, and in the workforce too. So really excited to see what's to come and very grateful for the leadership and the Georgia General Assembly and Governor Kemp on this issue. Yeah. And so back to the preparedness issue one last time, we are seeing a huge number of high school seniors who are graduating without any skill set. They've never had a job and they don't have any sort of certification that they need to enter straight into the workforce. So what is a solution to that problem and what impact will that have on the workforce moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think we looked at this um, issue this year and um, around 40% of Georgia high schoolers have kind of no real world experiences, which is crazy when you think about, to your point, like a high school job, summer job, any of that, that's not something that's kind of in their DNA. And so when we're thinking about long-term preparedness, expectations at work, some of those soft skills, showing up on time, dressing appropriately, and having a, a strong work ethic, it's, you know, the impacts are important. We've seen a number of kind of, you know, opportunities in this space. I would say the first kind of goes back to what we talked about of 
employers want to get in the door early, you know, get in with them in high school, elementary school, middle school, and start exposing kids to careers that are really exciting. We've heard so many of companies will, you know, think about how do I, you know, work with projects? What other third parties can I bring in to get people excited about opportunities? I know we've got one member, Kia Georgia, that works with Green Power USA to have kids build electric cars, which when you think about long term, of course, you know, Kia is building um, the EV9 here, which is very exciting. And we know that there are going to be a lot of EVs produced here. So we're seeing companies make investments like that in terms of working with families, students, helping counselors, teachers. We've also seen a lot of companies do externships for teachers and counselors to help them understand what these opportunities look like long term. We also have worked with the Georgia Department of Education on their new update to their CTAE plan, which is Career Technical Agriculture Education. There are a number of pathways that are offered in schools for students to develop skills and credentials, but we want to make sure that we're fostering that industry alignment and that it also is aligned to local workforce needs. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a big manufacturing focus in your community, let's make sure that we've got a big manufacturing focus in your CTA pathways as well. So that we're offering that alignment and opportunity to stay local, have a great career that you can advance in and see those long-term opportunities. Work-based learning, I think, is a huge program. We're also really excited that We're working with the Georgia Department of Education to launch a program specifically for rural communities, which we know are often under-resourced, to increase workforce preparedness in their communities. So we've got a grant opportunity that's going to come online shortly and will, again, offer some really good opportunities for you to create tailored solutions that work with your local community to address workforce preparedness needs. We've seen, of course, Governor Kemp has announced the MATCH program, which is very exciting, incredibly you know, grateful for his leadership to think about how do we make sure that students across the state understand their opportunities at their technical colleges and their universities. So this is a new program that was launched in October and all high school seniors got a letter saying these are the programs and the institutions that you can apply to. They're holding a spot for you. Creates a whole new website. Very intuitive, very interactive, but really helps to make sure that students are fully aware of all their opportunities. It talks through the cost side for students, how close it is to home. Um, So I think that's an incredible tool that, you know, we know is going to help to make an impact of getting students to technical colleges as well as universities. You may not need a four-year degree to be successful, but we know that in our new economy, you've got to be skilled. So whether it's a credential, a certificate, um, an associate's degree, you're going to need some kind of training as jobs become more complicated and continue to see the skill set needed becoming more incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible program from the governor. And I'm very excited to see the long-term impact that that's going to have on our education system and, and on our workforce. So Daniela, thank you so much for joining me. But before we go, is there anything coming up from the Georgia Chamber Foundation that our listeners should be on the lookout for? In January, we're going to launch our 2024 Economic Competitiveness Red Book. Again, this is a tool that lets you see how Georgia compares to other states in terms of our competitiveness. Where are we falling behind? Where are we really, you know, the leader? We also have lots of county level data. And so if you're looking at how your community compares to some of your neighboring ones, it's a great resource. It's one of those things that this is something that can sit on your desk all year, be a resource you refer back to of, well, what does labor force participation look like in my community? And, you know, how 
how do I look from a poverty perspective? Where are my bright spots and where are my opportunities? We are also going to do our CEO and Executive Insights Survey again in January. So we'll have more results to share on that. And then, of course, we'll also have our quarter one update. Again, we'll focus a lot on freight and logistics infrastructure. So really excited. Just grateful for the opportunity to share about this report and more to come. Of course, and the Red Book will be launched at... Eggs and Issues breakfast, right? That's right. Big debut. Um, So make sure to be at Eggs and Issues with us, of course, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this year, which is exciting and a new opportunity for everybody. Yes, yes. So if you're interested in joining us for Eggs and Issues, you can visit our website, gachamber.com backslash events, and we hope that you'll join us there. Thank you. Thanks, Kayla.